pockets up a beer or a cold libation. I can tell you how I wrote this little theme. I went and took a call from brother Jason, and he tells me that he has a little dream. He says he needs a backwards intro to begin his podcast, and I ask him what you got. He said I'll start up with some talking and some moody clips and popcorn fighting, fantasy explorations and some groundless exploitation. Kickstarts that I'm watching and some blind unboxings, full month horror movie marathon. Sometimes I'll let the box come on, contest and of course you know it's all about games. That's a slogan, let's just start with the name. It's the Nerds RPG Variety. Welcome back to Nerds RPG Variety Cast. I'm your host, Jason. I just have a quick mailbag episode for you today. We had a long episode earlier in the week, a great interview with Pat from Flagbearer Games talking about nations and cannons. I hope you enjoyed that, and if not, I hope you will enjoy that. But because of the length of that episode, I didn't want to add listener calls as well, but I do want to get these listener calls out so I don't sit on them too long. Before we get to the calls, I want to mention a couple listener participation things I have going on. We have the movie Watch Along. This month, it's The Prince's Bride. So send in your thoughts on The Prince's Bride, your review of the movie, what you think of the movie, whatever you want to say about it. Get that to me by the 28th of July. No later than the end of the day on the 28th of July. I also have my July contest, which is uh spin up for RPG Day 2023 that's going to happen next month and for that basically pick one day in August send me a response to the prompts for that day and you'll be entered to win the prizes and also I will play that at the appropriate time in the month so you can go to the links in the show notes you'll find all the ways to enter the contest all the way to send me feedback and there'll be a link about RPG days so you can learn about that. I think that's about it. Oh, that's due by the 30th of July. 30th of July is a cutoff for the RPG day contest, for my contest. And then RPG day itself starts on the 1st of August. So I think that's all the admin notes I have to mention. And I think it's time we open up that mailbag. Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? Well, maybe it's your auntie or a joke by your spouse, but the operator screaming is coming from inside the house. Hey, Jason. It's Anthony calling in with, I promise, a quick response to Carl's call in to your show about our talk. In terms of my preferences for the Moral Project, um, I'm kind of evenly divided. I played third and more than anything else. And I've, I've run fourth and I'm most familiar with fourth. So, you know, if I were to think about running it, I would probably lean toward fourth because I have it and I don't have third and, and that sort of thing. But as for just flat out preference, you know, it's, you know, I, I have a liking for third. I like the idea of being able to get the original system and BRP together. So if I'm feeling experimental, I can go one way. And if I'm not, I can go the other. So I'm super familiar with BRP. 
but if you were to ask me to run the Mora project, I would automatically pull fourth off the shelf. So I hope that answers that question. Anyway, this was a great mailbag kind of episode, and with a lot of great calls that really made the miles fly by. So, you know, thanks again for putting it out, and thanks everybody for calling in. That was great. Anthony, thank you for that call. Of course, Anthony, a.k.a. Runeslinger, has his own media empire with the Casting Shadows items and with the Runeslinger YouTube channel. Anthony, I appreciate your weighing back in. Anthony joined me to talk about The Morrow Project, a game that we both enjoy. And Carl called in asking what the preferred edition would be. And so that was kind of Anthony's response to that. I have a couple more calls about The Morrow Project. So I'm going to turn it over to Peter, also known as Spez Baby, on the Discords. Hi, Jason. It's Peter. Uh, this time, more in response to uh, Anthony's uh, recent call about the contest results and moral project. Um, bear with me. I'm working. I'm outside. I might be out of breath. And there might be some background noise. But... Um, when I listened to Runeslinger's call, which, which I found to be a little mournful, uh, I don't know if that was his intent, but it certainly did, with the idea of um, culture ending, ending with us and what we brought would be the, the last things that we had to enjoy. Um, I thought of it a different way. It, it actually brought to mind um, the great novel and even better miniseries, Station Eleven. Um, which is a, a wonderful post-apocalyptic novel and series, if you haven't seen it. But in that, the main character, Kirsten, at least in the book, she, uh, her pastime, when she's not with the symphony, is, uh, hello. hello, is, uh, um, she delves into old houses and stores and libraries looking to find um, uh, mostly plays, but also sheet music for the symphony that, uh, that she travels with. And um, in a sheer, like, end-of-the-world scenario, which that character experienced, there wouldn't be anything new. But from a moral project point of view, we'd be kind of looking at a, a future history, almost. Because we don't know exactly when the world ended in our future after we went to sleep. So there would be a whole raft of, of, of things that uh, we never experienced that we might actually be able to experience fresh, kind of like a, a future history, as it were. And I know at this point, and this is not something that I think is uh, unique to me in this hobby, but I know there's an awful lot of us in this hobby that get a lot of satisfaction out of diving into used bookstores, used uh, record stores, libraries, that sort of thing, and finding that rarity, that old edition, that um, uh, novel that we heard about that never hasn't seen a printing in 20, 40, 30, 60 years. Um, and we would get to do all that unencumbered by our pocketbooks. Now, a lot wouldn't survive, of course, but 
Uh, imagine how much fun you would get if you found a bookstore after you woke up in the Moral Project and got to dive through it. Imagine uh, how much enjoyment you would get after waking up and seeing a CD for the first time and not knowing what it was, but it it looked exactly like a miniature version of, of the Laserdisc movie that we had back in our, in our bunker. Um, and trying to figure out how to play that. Especially if you get one that has uh, an identical album cover to something you've already seen. There would be a, a huge joy in the discovery and even the saving of so much media. So, I, uh, yeah, I, I thought it would be um, very exciting on the other side. Less, less mournful, less of this is all we have and more of this is uh, everything we could discover. Anyway, great call in, great show. Thanks very much. Peter, thank you so much for that call. I really appreciate your input. And you're right. There are so many interesting things we can do with a post-apocalyptic game that don't involve mowing down hordes of mutants or zombies, right? It doesn't have to be a combat fest. And there are so many interesting aspects. I, I mean, one of the funnest things and to some people most frustrating things about Gamma World what were the artifacts and trying to identify what this is. And as a GM, trying to figure out a way to describe something where you're being honest about the description, but without the player immediately knowing what it was. And But the idea of recovering this lost um, you know, civilization, the, these lost gems, and then also discovering new things that you just never had time to watch or read or listen to back when civilization was in full swing. And and that, you know, you inspired the title of this episode of my show, which is based on episode eight, season one of the Twilight Zone, Time Enough at Last. Time Enough at Last, great episode. I highly recommend people go watch it. Burgess Meredith survives the apocalypse. And I, I won't ruin the episode, but yeah. It, you, your call made me think of that episode. Great, great episode. And I highly recommend people check it out. You know, that story is based on a short story by Lynn Venable, you know, a great American writer. And yeah, I, I hope people check that out and, you know, incorporate some of these kind of things in their games. So thank you so much. Now we have another call about this coming from a little bit different angle. And this one is coming from Michael or Chicago Wiz, who has the Dungeon Master's Handbook podcast and also has a blog and a number of other things out there. The His three hex articles are famous, and Michael's been around in the scene for a long, long time. Let's listen. Hi, Jason. It's Michael, Chicago Wiz. You are having a good day. I'm listening to your episode 524, the hump day hullabaloo and call-ins and I think I must have missed all of the post-apocalyptic discussion or I didn't uh, wasn't really uh, in tune to that but listening to you now and listening to Daniel's call before then about hopeful situations and I got to thinking what is my preferred style and I'm kind of like Daniel but go further further down the road where 
know, you're some sort of society and you are just barely remembering through myths and legend about the before times and the, the, the great, uh, you know, magical lords of before that did all sorts of things and, you know, whatever mythology you would come up with for why the, the war happened and why there are places that we can't enter. And as seems to happen whenever I listen to your podcast, and I think I'm going to have to stop listening to your podcast because it just sparks some of the craziest ideas in my head. Here's my next crazy idea. Remember Planet of the Apes from the early 70s? Now, remember that you had, this is where it gets really odd, you had three distinct classes of apes. You had the gorillas, a.k.a. fighters. You had the priests, which I think you're catching on to where I'm going here, the clerics, and then you had the scientists. Why, it could be, because as has been said, any technology sufficiently advanced is like magic, the magic users. And they were digging through, well, actually, they weren't digging through, they, they were avoiding the... Uh, places of man, and you know, we won't talk about the, the, the slavery aspect of it, but you could, in theory, take OD&D <laughs> and come up with a Planet of the Apes setting. No, I'm not doing this. Hell no. I've already just committed to a Battlestar Galactica and Traveler uh, campaign, of which I still blame you for uh, happily, though, but I still blame you for it. Uh, I'm not doing OD&D Planet of the Apes, so if anyone else is out there listening to this call in, there you go. That is your quest. <laughs> you have accepted from the NPC. Go forth, and I look forward to playing with it. Anyway, Jason, uh, great calls, great episode, and game on. Game on indeed, Michael. And, you know, what a great call. And it would be so easy to adapt. I know people get tired of Daniel Norton, a bandit's keep, and myself talking about how OD&D can be adapted to anything, but it can be. <laughs> and, and you've outlined an easy way to do it. Now, this has been done. One of the early companies in the OSR was Goblinoid Games, Dan Proctor's company. And one of the games that Dan Proctor has out there is Apes Victorious. In Apes Victorious, now that's more, it's more BX based than OD&D based, but Apes Victorious does, in fact, go into Planet of the Apes. It's basically Planet of the Apes with the serial numbers filed off, and they have actually nine classes in Apes Victorious because you have a class to kind of simulate the thief as well. But they do what you're saying. They also have a you know a scholar class. They have a politician class. The the kind of mixes in the priest in there, and it it's got an astronaut class. You, you know, Apes Victorious is a really neat game. It it's inexpensive, and I actually highly recommend it. I've got a copy of it, and it's one of the games I will not be selling when I do my great RPG purge of twenty twenty three. But you don't necessarily need those more advanced rules and things. You could easily do it with. OD&D with just the three little books, although Daniel Norton has influenced me enough that I would include Chainmail in that. But Michael, thank you so much for that call. I'm glad that your 
Battlescarred Galactica game based on Traveler has gone so well, and I'm just sorry that my schedule's kind of kept me out of playing that game, but hopefully one of these days I'll, I'll get to play a session of that. So thank you very much. Next up, we have a voice that folks have heard before, Joe Richter of Hindsightless. Yo, dude, what's up? Do you hear this? That's the sound of me rolling my new die in my new DaveCon portable collapsible rolling tray. Uh, and that was the sound of me dropping my new cool DaveCon coin in the portable collapsible, collapsible DaveCon rolling tray. Rolling tray makes me think of different things. But anyway, man, I just want to say thank you for this. These things are pretty awesome, man. This coin is pretty cool. I like the fact that it's got yes on one side, no on the other, but it also has up, down, left, right, and one, two. That's pretty rad. And then a little blue D6. I love blue. Blue is one of my favorite colors. And yeah, man, this is great stuff. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I honestly forget who donated this stuff to you, uh, but whoever you are, thank you. This stuff rocks. Though I do feel kind of like a faker that I've never actually been to DaveCon, but shh, I won't tell if you won't. Peace out. I'm glad it arrived there safely. I hope everybody else's did. If any of the winners, the five winners last month, did not get their DaveCon stuff, let me know. They should have it by now. Actually, four, because one of the winners asked me to donate to a charity instead. But if, if any of the other four who I sent DaveCon packages to have not received it, please reach out to me and let me know. Now, these were donated by Vic Dorso, who runs DaveCon. And DaveCon is a AD&D based convention in Minnesota. Now, they do other things. They have other games that are played there well. In fact, you know, Bronstein's being run there by David Wesley, who came up with that back in the day and taught it to Dave Arneson. So you've got all kinds of greats that are there. But yeah, that's where that came from. And I sent out four of those last month. And actually, I'll be sending one out this month to one of the lucky entrants to our RPG a day contest. Cause I, I have one more of those to mail out. So Joe, I'm glad you received that and I'm glad you're enjoying it. And like I say, if any of the other winners did not receive that yet, let me know so I can figure out what happened with that and get you a replacement. Now that's not all had Joe had to say though. So let me go on to his second call. Yo, Jason, calling in about your Nations and Cannons episode. That game sounds rad, man. That was a super good episode. I, I wish that dude and that company the best of luck. The fact that they're gearing up to send the game for free to schools all over the place, that's that's amazing, man. That's really, really cool. And again, I, I, I'm rooting for that game, for that company. That, that just sounds flag bearer games, I think. That sounds awesome, man. Yeah, you know, I think as far as like all of the real world wars that you could play an RPG in, I think the Revolutionary War is probably the one I'd be most interested in playing in. Just some of the plot lines and storylines that you guys talked about during the episode and just other things I know about the Revolutionary War, like the Swamp Fox. And so I think it'd be really, really fun. So awesome. Thank you for sharing that, dude. Have a good one and peace out. 
I'm glad you enjoyed that episode, Joe. It was a great talk. I really had a lot of fun talking to Pat, and I'm very happy that Joe Salvador joined me to do that. So, folks, if you haven't heard it, please go back and listen to that episode. But also, if you're an educator or know an educator or a librarian or a docent here at one of the historical sites, please reach out to Flagbearer Games because they want to send you a copy of the game. They want to help spread the word. One of their part of their core mission is to support education. And I want to support that. And in fact, I believe in that enough that I'm now supporting their Patreon. So yeah, I, I just want to help get the word out because I think it's a great cause. I think it's a really neat game. And I think basing on 5e, you know, is not only smart, but I think it's the right way to go. And it's probably going to get me to run, thanks to Joe Salvador twist my arm a little bit, to actually run 5e. So there you go. Now we have one more call, but that's from Carl Rodriguez, the Geomologist Presents. And Carl is our traditional closer. So I'm going to do my final announcements here, and then I'm going to let Carl close the show out. So I think the only real announcements I have are to thank all of you callers. Thank you so much for calling in. Thanks for taking time out of your day. I know it's a hassle to call. It's a pain in the butt to record messages and send them in. It is. But I do appreciate you taking the time to do that. I appreciate all you listeners that don't do that. And don't feel you have to call in. I'm going to keep doing the show, and it's going to be out there for you to listen to. And I'm glad you're tuning in. I want to thank Ray Otis for the coffee cup clip art. We haven't used that for a little while on the our you know, for the episodes, but Ray is a supporter and I'm a big fan of Ray Otis and all that he's doing over there at Plundergrounds. So check out what Ray Otis is doing. Also TJ Drennan, who provides all the music for the show. Great guy. And you, you know, you can't ask for better music. So thank you so much for that. I think the last thing I have to say is to be excellent to each other and take it away, Carl. Hey, Jason, really good interview with Pat Mooney of the Nations and Cannons game, Flagbearer Games, Nations and Cannons. Uh, actually, I, I'm shocked that I passed on this. I don't know why. Maybe because I just bought Flames of Freedom, and it's great that you uh, talked about colonial Gothic Flames of Freedom and, and that he drew inspiration from it. But it's, it's really true to, you know, because my players – well, I propose Flames of Freedom, and even though they play Warhammer Fantasy, it seems that they would be more amenable to a 5e-based game about the American Revolution. And they've even, even when I propose a cyberpunk-style game, they're like, well, what about that Carbon 2185? It was based on 5e. Maybe it's just a familiarity. Um, who knows? Who knows why, why that is and why players do what they do? I'm always miffed and surprised by the decisions that they make in game and uh, what kind of games they like and are inspired by. Again, while we love Warhammer Fantasy, why don't we want to check out Flames of Freedom? Um, we'd rather do, if we want to do like a steampunky thing, um, then we'll play Iron Kingdoms, also based on 5e. Um, it's very strange. But a really cool interview, a lot of inspirational material for me to kind of get cracking with things that I want to do. While I am not an expert on the American revolution. I don't think I'm an expert on anything except for biochemistry, biochemistry and molecular biology, not even talking am I an expert in. Um, 
I do delve in a lot of history and I took a lot of classes in college. Anyway, I, I do got a lot of historical stuff and I know like even uh, yourself and, and uh, Hobbes have said that my niche is to take historical inspiration. So it's great that uh, flag bearer games has found that niche and are taking advantage of it. I mean, in the American revolution, I have a lot more interesting time periods, but it's kind of, True, too, and I like what you talked about, that everyone always wants to throw in the weird, and maybe you don't need to, and I, you know, or make the weird so subtle that it's interpreted in different ways, and I really loved how I've done that in the past, and maybe I can bring it to something more uh, commercial. I don't know. I did that with High Plains Hero and Musket and Saber, and Musket and Saber, which was my, you know, 18th century delve into that type of arrow time period uh, was really neat. And there really wasn't any strangeness. It was just things happening on the various frontiers in colonial North America. So anyway, cool stuff. Uh, great interviews as always. And I'll talk to you later. And remember folks, if you sent a call into Jason and you haven't heard it on this episode, have no fear. It will appear. Joked about your spouse, but the operator's screaming it's coming from inside the house. What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? Well, the audience is pretty sure he took a pretty head, and the only question left is if I could shoot him dead. Bring on the gold, bring on the gold. I want some There is a dustbin in your moil's by the tipper And I'm assuming that your partner back there in the wood chipper Don't look away Don't look away Don't look away Well the zombies are rising and the world's gone to hell We're living for the dying and we're dying for the train wreck